Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, Joystick Wranglers. Luke Owen here. We're nearing the end of Series 5 already, and it snuck up on us so quickly that I've forgotten to add in these little bumpers to remind you to send in your feedback for this heavenly series of Games Master. Tell us your thoughts on Series 5, your favourite challenges, favourite celebrities, your least favourite moments, and how you're getting on with the Dom and Mates era of the show. Send in your feedback as either an email or as an MP3 to feedback at underconsultation.com. That's feedback at underconsultation.com before Friday the 17th of June 2022. Now, on with the episode. And welcome to heaven and welcome to 1996. This is Under Consultation, an episode-by-episode podcast-type situation through the UK's greatest video game channel TV show, Games Master. I am one of your hosts, Luke Owen, and I'm going down with Mr. Motivator. And with my five extinguisher on standby, I am Ash Versus. Luke, new year, new Games Master, same old pants. (laughs) This episode aired on the 4th of January 1996. FIFA 96 tops the console charts. Michael Jackson's Earth Song is still top of the pops. And Babe is still top of the UK box office. Michael Jackson, Earth Song, we've said about all we want to say there. Babe, I really like it as a film. I do have an anecdotal addition to place on this uh, on this particular film. Let's do it now because next week is seven. So this is our final week with the uh, little pig friend. Oh, definitely. But um, as of course... You and our listeners know I was on holiday last week, which is why I was briefly replaced with ketchup. But yeah, so while I was on holiday, we spent a lot of time tootling up and down the coast uh, in Dorset. It was beautiful time. It was meant to rain all week, but the weather actually turned out really nice. I got a tan, which is also why it hurt when I just slapped myself in the head. But 
we were going around a lot of different bookshops, a lot of different charity shops, a lot of different places looking at interesting things. And on our last day, we found this combination coffee record book vintage shop. Really cool, kind of like floor to ceiling books and and trinkets and all that kind of stuff. And this little kind of nook, this little cupboard, which was the children's book section. So, of course, I went straight to that. Mm -hmm. And lo, they were fighting fantasy books there. Great stuff. Had all of them, didn't buy any. There was a couple of other bits and pieces there that I did pick up, including the novelization of Dick Tracy. Ooh, yeah. that's very cool. Yeah. And a copy of The Sheep Pig, which, of course, is the original book by Dick Kingsmith, uh, which Babe was based on. But not only was it a copy of The Sheep Pig, it was the exact same edition cover and kind of print run that I had growing up. Wow, amazing. It was the easiest one pound I've ever spent on a book. I was just, I was like, no, I've got to have this because because we've been talking about it, because I've been thinking about it and how I read that book. And then that book uh, went down to my younger siblings and God knows where it ended up, but it, it was a thing that passed down. So I don't have it anymore, but now I do. And I actually picked up a bunch of different paperback books on that trip uh, to the point where the backpack was a lot heavier coming back than it probably should have been. And I've really been enjoying just going through these kind of old paperbacks. So a reread for me is definitely on the cards. That's amazing. That's really, really awesome. Actually, speaking of things that we sort of have, have found and stumbled upon recently, uh, I sent you a message about this. I can't remember if we brought this up on the podcast or not, in fact. Is it your book? It's not my book. No, that's on a shelf. Uh, pride of place. Uh, no, this was uh, clearing out my dad's shed because they want to knock it down because they want to extend out their driveway and found some boxes in there that I did not know were there. And boxes I thought were lost for time. I'll, bring, I'll talk about this more when we do under consultation for this month. But in that box, Ash, was my Jaguar and my 3DO. Oh, yes, you did message me about this. Um, I thought you were about to talk about Oh, no, no, that I'll talk about under Consol Nation as well. Gotcha. We should do a bonus episode on that. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I mean, it's going to go up on YouTube. People are going to see it. We should definitely do an episode on that <laughs> then. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I could go out, like, tomorrow and buy a 3DO. I still got a slight pang of jealousy when I saw yours, <laughs> and I was still like, oh, look how the other side lives. <laughs> Covered in dust. Have you tried firing it up or do you not have it at no, the moment? It's, it's still in my parents. It's been moved from one shed to another shed. Um, uh, unfortunately, babies take up a lot of space in cars. So uh, I, I, that'll be the next time I come back. Well, the next time I go up to my parents, I'm going to bring it back then. It's a new issue of Games Master Magazine, Luke. It's very nice. Well, what we got there on the front cover is that, is that crazy Ivan on the front cover there. It is crazy, crazy Ivan, who I think we've seen or we're about to see about on the to, show. It's, re it's reviewed in next week's episode. Oh, see, I've got all my notes done, so I'm just kind of mixing up time now. Now, the cover is very nice. It's not um, drawn artwork. It is actually kind of pre-rendered CGI artwork of one of the robots from Crazy Ivan. But as I kind of queued up, not on last week's episode, on the week before last week's episode, the last episode we were on, it's... The back cover. Oh, it is indeed. You can't buy this. An advert for the Nintendo Ultra 64. That is so delicious because, you know, we've been calling it the Ultra 64 throughout Series 5 up until that new feature that came out a few episodes ago. And yet here we are. I mean, they're still calling it the Ultra 64 in certain features and stuff. The back cover of Games Master Magazine also has... It, this isn't Games Master calling it the Ultra 64. This is an 
adverts for the Ultra 64. That is so tasty. This takes me right back to when we were starting. Do you remember when we had the Super Nintendo advert with the American color scheme on it? Yeah, it was purple and grey. It was an official Nintendo advert and it felt crazy. And yet here we are, Nintendo again, kind of breaking their own rules, but saying, yeah, you can't buy this. And positing the question, about to buy a new games machine, is it worth waiting? Yes, 32-bit CD machines are fine, but they don't cut it where it really counts. They just don't have the power. This does. 64-bit power. Nintendo Ultra 64. The speed of silicon cartridge. Not CD cello. And you can see there is slow spelt... I I pronounced it exactly as it was written. Indeed, indeed. You can't buy it yet. After all, nothing this good comes easy. But you really want something less powerful. Wait for it. So basically, they've pulled a Guinness. Absolutely, yeah. And it's hilarious that this is January 1996. We will not see that machine until March of 1997. That's not what Games Master magazine says, Luke. Well, or what Nintendo's official advertisement is saying there either. That advert makes it sound like it'll be here by the summer. Well, inside this very same magazine in the news section, they've got a feature on the Ultra 64 being unveiled at the Shoshinkei show in Japan. But then we've got another news article saying, the sad news is that it looks like the Ultra won't hit Europe until next September. Although Nintendo is still hopeful about an April launch, this is starting to look increasingly unlikely as the date approaches. It's rumoured there may not be enough Ultras ready to go round, and if this is the case, Europe is sure to be behind America and Japan in Ninty's list of priorities. Let's hope all the indications are wrong, and they can pull off a surprise simultaneous launch in all three countries. Something that both Sega and Sony have been unable to manage. Now, yeah, they do say next September. They are meaning September 1996. That's what I was going to say, because this is a January... This is a January cover edition, but it would have been on shelves in December of 95. Yeah, Games Master Magazine got a bit weird towards the end there because we had a December edition, a Christmas edition, and a January edition. We had three editions, as best as I can tell, in the space of two months. That's so, right, yeah. So yeah, they, they they mean the summer of this year as opposed to summer of 97. Yes, which is actually what it turned out being closer to. <laughs> Did it, more or less. Hello, viewers. We've had at least, oh, I don't know, two letters saying, Dear Dominic, why is it that in heaven the angels always seem to be doing all the work? Well, as you can see, that's not the case. Heaven doesn't clean itself, and I'm more than prepared to get dirty with the girls. Well, it is a new year, and Dom is giving us a nice little spring clean of the uh, the, the heaven floor here because they've had not one, not three, but two letters saying that the angels are doing all of the work. Dom is now willing to get down and dirty with the girls. It feels like as we approach the end of the series, much like last year, we're getting a bit more of innuendo in our shows. Last last show on the Christmas show, which was essentially a clip show, we had vegetable cock and balls. We had Dom with his hand in a turkey, or actually more likely chicken. But yeah, stocking stuffing and unwrapping presents and knob gags. And now here we are. We're only three episodes away from the end of the season. And getting down and dirty with the girls. Although it is nice to see Dom on his hands and knees for once. Indeed he is. Well, let's get into our first challenge. What are we playing, Games Master? Today's event is all about cycles. And I'll be putting my two contestants to their paces on two separate challenges, both involving two-wheel transport. 
The first challenge involves the unusual virtual reality exercise bike, which players must pedal and steer just like a real bicycle in order to propel the virtual bike along the path. For this challenge, each player must pedal furiously in an attempt to reach the second checkpoint in the quickest amount of time. Good luck. So the kind of gimmick that we've got for this episode is we've got two challenges with a celebrity and a uh, a real life person. And we've got two bike based ones, one which is this uh, VR bike and later on on Namco Cybercycles. This VR bike, though, is a, a very interesting little thing. So this is the, the, the launch title for this VR bike called Sweeney Town. Uh, it was released in late 1995. Um, it, this is a direct quote from Thatcher. It depicts a pastoral New England setting with bike races, mountain bike trails, a bike jump, and several Easter eggs. Mostly the software is about exploring and experiencing the environment. It's not really a game outside of the bike races. So from what I can gather, like reading around, the idea is that you can just, it's a free roaming thing. You can just cycle wherever you want. However, you can choose to go towards the bike races and then do a bike race along with some AI control computers. But you can actually link this up to be like an eight player thing. I mean, originally it ran on this kind of recumbent bicycle, which had built into it a 486 PC kind of like a 486 processor PC and a 20-inch color monitor, which we're talking CRTs here. This thing is exactly as big as it looks on the TV. It was massive. And yeah, looking at this, it feels very much like we actually have kind of a precursor to kind of open world type gameplay, but also games that are not kind of traditional games. I'm thinking like the Animal Crossing style of things, where it's more about the experience than a defined end goal. So yeah, you can do races, but that's not what it's really there for. It's there for you to cycle around, get some exercise and explore. Yeah, this was found a lot in like like spas and things like that, or sort of like, you know, what the American version of center parks, whatever that is. It's more sort of like you know, mountain lodges, whatever you want to call them, where you would just sort of go and it was just found in a gym. It was just sort of a way for gyms to make exercise feel a bit more appealing as opposed to just going there and cycling on a bike. Here you can play a game if you would like. I mean, do you know what my favourite thing to do when I went to the gym and I used to use the running or cycling machines was? I would just sit down on them or start running on them and I'd have my phone propped up in front of me with an episode of The X-Files. I never felt the need to explore anything. It was just a case of here is something to take my mind off the fact that I'm literally running on the spot. But I get where they're coming from. It is very much a gimmick. It's not a cheap gimmick. Oh, no, it wasn't. It was like eight grand or so. Yeah, it was about $8,000 for retail. And you can imagine that even though technically the pound was stronger, the dollar pound symbol probably just got swapped over and then a chunk watched on top of it because import costs there's no way this was being made in the uk yeah and it's nice as well because like you can plug in well it says it's personalizable because there's speakers in the headrests so you can play your own music and stuff so you can like you know listen to whatever tunes how it gets plugged in i don't really know maybe there's like you know this is 1995 there's like a little cassette thing you can plug into a little ox cable that you could plug into your, your walkman or something it does have a cd-rom drive in the pc so you could ah. be playing your music off cds yeah it probably is that then yeah um, I found this as well. This was also from Thatcher uh, to say the game was pretty much in continuous evolving development from when the Cyber Gear first started in 1992 to when Tetrix VR bike was released in 95. The early going mostly revolved, revolved around me learning 3D graphics, doing lots of successfully less crappy prototypes, building the company and dealing with the parallel development of the bike hardware. 
And they did a couple of versions of this. There's like seven maps, I think they did in the end, sort of like by 1998. Uh, and they also did a a stepper version of it as well, like a like a virtual stair climber, which they would release like a little bit later on. Yeah, they did do a couple of different bits of bespoke hardware. And boy, howdy, if you think it's difficult getting hold of Guitar Hero controllers nowadays, good luck getting hold of one of these. There were a couple of little Easter eggs hidden in there because, as you said, you can explore the map and there's kind of statues, there's the road race. There's also a graveyard. Hmm. Now that that's, feels like the sort of thing you'd want to see when you go to a spa. Well, you got some famous neighbours in the graveyard, Luke. Frank Zappa's there and so is Jimi Hendrix. Cool. <laughs> Actually, in fairness, though. That, I mean, that, that actually is a nice little window into the developers' mindsets and also their musical tastes. So I actually do like that as an Easter egg. Also, there's a pub, the Cakes and Ale Tavern. So we can tell what food and drink they like. They like beer <laughs> and they like cake. People after our own kind of slightly inflated and cholesterol-ridden hearts. Uh, but yeah, as I said earlier, you can download this. I didn't actually check the link or anything, but that website, uh, the Tectrix VR website, you can download all of the maps uh, on there and have at it and sort of like explore them if you want. Um, you know, they, I think they did fairly well for themselves in terms of publicity and stuff. Like on that website, there's got like articles when they were featured in Vogue, Playboy, Sports Illustrated and Wired throughout 1994. So this did get a fair amount of publicity. And if you look nowadays, what's that exercise bike Ponzi scheme? Oh, Peloton. Thank you. Yeah. Peloton's kind of doing that in the idea of like making it a bit more interactive with their kind of virtual classes and you race against people. Yeah. It's, it, it's a bit more kind of less free form but it is kind of doing the same thing it's kind of like aiming to distract from the fact that you are stationary while doing exercise rather than going out and cycling on the road and here to take part in blokes with bikes please welcome our special guest the most brightly dressed man in all of tv land the human dynamo himself mr motivator welcome to the show mr m now Listen, I don't have a very demanding job, right? I just stand here, I just talk a bit. Do I really need exercise? Oh, I look at you and I think to myself, yeah, you've got to protect what you have. I've, I've... That means exercising. Because uh-huh. if you don't use it, you will lose it, my man. So then what kind of exercises should I be doing for a job like well, this? Well, someone who is fit like you, or should be fit, <laughs> should be running up and down stairs, should uh-huh. be doing lots of running on the spot, squats, press-ups, yeah. working on the stomach area, working on the That's, shoulders. No, this is too tired. <laughs> just, this so can you show me a basic one I can do then? What's the kind um, of you'd be well, there? I'll tell you what, I'll tell what we could do. Why yep. have some press-ups? <laughs> That's a basic one. Well, it? you show me how to do them. No, 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 no. You, you come down with me. Like okay. so, down, down you go. Here I'm go. going down with okay. Mr. Motivator here. Here we then. go. Okay. You okay. ready? Stomach nice and tight. Right. Ready? Here we go. Down. Okay. Whoop. And then up. Go on. Do it again. Uh-huh. Back it down and up. I would like to say. You keep going, guy. I would like to say, if anyone's watching, uh, remember, Mr. Motivator is a professional. Do not try wearing this kind of outfit <laughs> at home. Well, we have got a very special guest on tonight's show. I mean, Ash, it couldn't have been anyone else to do a challenge like this. One of my favorite celebs of the 1990s and someone I really, really liked watching on TV, Mr. Bloody Motivator. Yeah, Mr. Motivator, otherwise known as Derek Evans, MBE. I know, bloody Dom drops him in it later on, calls him Derek. I just think, much like the gladiators, Dom doesn't give a shit. And to be fair, Mr. Motivator doesn't actually seem to be that bothered at being called Derek. And why would it? It's his name. No, but what I really wanted was that series three moments of like him just going like, actually, my name's Mr. Motivator. And I only got four words to say to you, Derek, and that's we're simply the best. My name's Dexter, actually. I don't think he was that high on himself. Or that okay with series three. 
No, I mean, well, who was at that point? But yeah, he got his start uh, teaching exercise classes at a church hall in Neasden. This followed on from working for the East Midlands Gas Board and also selling jewellery and all these other things. But he kind of like, he found his passion, his calling in life in Neasden in northwest London. His classes became popular and he was asked by the British Heart Foundation to give classes throughout the country. And eventually he found his way to ITV in 1993 when Greg Dyke hired him for the breakfast show GMTV. That is where I used to see him. So GMTV was on in our household. If it wasn't the Brick Breakfast, which it usually was, if like my ma wanted to get some like serious news on the go, she would flick it over to watch GMTV. And that is where I would see Mr. Motivator. And GMTV was what gave him the name Mr. Motivator. He was just Derek Evans when he kind of started out. And it was actually Judy Finnegan of Richard and Judy that kind of gave him the name by Finnegan shouting that Evans was a motivator and the name kind of stuck. It's a really good bit of branding. And like he, it's branding that he takes quite seriously as well. Like, you know, he was doing this level of motivating and stuff during the pandemic that we've just all gone through like he has done lots of stuff and still doing it to this day and even on this episode of games master where we're all having a bit of fun we're having a bit of laugh we've got a biker lad coming up in a little bit you know competing in some video game stuff he drops in several little pearls throughout this episode of just like remember kids if you're doing this it means this or like hey kids go out there and get some exercise and stuff. He takes this thing very, very seriously. It's, it's really commendable. It's like a much less problematic Hulk Hogan. When this yeah. guy goes, like, take your vitamins, do your push-ups and say your prayers, you believe it. This guy's legit. Well worthy of his MBE that this man has had. Because, like, you know, in the 90s, he was a bit of a punchline. And I felt like, I actually think the Games Master treats him quite well on this episode because I was concerned that they were going to bring him on just to be a punchline and sort of, like, make fun of him a little bit because of you know the light crew and this and the other and like oh my god you like exercise a bit much that's lame it's the 90s but like i i like the fact that now he is not just this punchline that people have or you sort of like bring out for like celebrity shows it was like hey do you remember mr motivator from the 90s people now look at me like what a lot what a guy that is what good work that man does yeah i part of me thinks that maybe they did book him to kind of go Let's have a bit of fun with the guy in Lycra. I but you know like what? That. He's just too damn likeable, isn't he? Yeah, and, and he's enjoying himself on the show as well, which I think helps. I think that he is quite game for a laugh as well. So it's kind of hard to make fun of him because he also feels like he's in on the joke. But despite being a mainstay of British television in the 90s into the 2000s, he now splits his time between Jamaica, where he lives with his wife and youngest daughter, and being back in the United Kingdom. He's still knocking around there. He's still doing DVDs or Blu-rays, I guess, or probably YouTubes or something. He's still being a fitness guy. And amazingly, that MBE was not until the 2020 birthday honours list. That shocks me. He should have had that way earlier. He should have had that at least 10 years earlier, if not more. I completely agree with you. Yeah, I think that was more, it was part of like his career resurgence. Um, But, you know, it's just nice to see that he has had that career resurgence. I think I prefer him to Joe Wicks. But meanwhile, back in 1996, Dom is like, eh, my job's not that challenging. I stand there. <laughs> I give it a bit of this. Does he really need to exercise? And Mr. Motivator says, when I look at you, Dom, 
Yes. I love that he's just, and Dom's like, oh, maybe what exercises can I do then? He's like, I think you should do some push-ups and then you could do some sit-ups and then you could do some squats and then you can go for a run and then go for a bike ride. And Dom's like, let that steady on, mate. That's a little bit too much. Give me one thing I can focus on and I'll do that half-assed. Can I, can I, make, a, can I make it a brisk walk to the corner shop for yeah. some fags? Because yeah, he suggests a basic thousand press-ups and they start doing <laughs> press-ups. I love the idea down there. And this is, again, that classic of Games Master Series 5. We're not going to rehearse anything like this. We're just going to do it all on the fly. And so you've got Dom and Mr. Motivator talking over each other while they're both trying to get their points across. Because Dom is trying to look at camera and make a joke. And Mr. Motivator is trying to talk him through his form and talk about well, other ways to do a push-up and stuff. It is, it's quite messy, but it's enjoyable messiness. It is. It's, I think that's the point. I mean, I'm sure before that point where they get, got to recording... Don had already been won over by Mr. Motivator. You know, the production crew were already in on it. But he's just so, like, genuinely enthusiastic. He genuinely seems to care for people's health. And he genuinely wants everyone to be the best person they possibly can. You can't hate it. You cannot hate it. I was smiling all the way through this episode. I was going to say, yeah, spoilers for, you know, the end. I love this episode. And part of the reason for that is Mr. Motivator. But he's not doing this challenge alone, is he, Luke? Okay, well, listen, uh, you're not going to be doing this on your own. We have a fine challenger for you tonight. So please welcome someone dressed slightly differently from Mr. Motivator, our challenger tonight, Andy Gray. (laughs) Andy. Now, uh, Andy, your biker name is Gringo. Right, yeah. Why Gringo? Uh, Mum's half Spanish. All right. Oh, so it's because of your yeah. mum. Yes. That's very nice. Well, it's mum. Yeah, that's all it is. <laughs> and you are, you're a total bona fide 24 hour biker. Yep. You're yep. not like an accountant who changes no, no, no. after work. Tattoos are like, you know, yep. piercings. So, what is the best thing about the biker lifestyle then? Uh, all the usual cliches. Uh-huh. You know, freedom, or king of the road, and that sort yep. of uh, rubbish. This is so wonderfully Games Master. We have Mr. Motivator in his very, you know, extravagant lycra colours that he's got on. King of Motivator Man. And he's going up against Gringo the Biker Man with his mullet. And he comes in on a motorbike and stuff. It is a stunning mullet this man has. It's a stunning everything. He embodies the biker of the time. He's still got some of the fashion from the 80s. He's dressed in his biker leathers. He's got the bike. His real name's Andy Gray. But Luke, why is he called Gringo? Because his mum's half Spanish. Makes perfect sense. (laughs) I love it because when Dom's talking about like, you know, he's a real life biker. He's not just some accountant that does this, you know, in his after hours and stuff. And he's like, no, 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 I live on the road. And he talks about like, you know, it's all the cliches I like, like freedom and quote, all that rubbish. (laughs) Spoken like a true biker. I don't know where they found this guy. I did do some Googling, but it turns out that as difficult as some of the things we've searched for in relation to this podcast have been, Searching for Andy Gray, Biker and Gringo is just not going anywhere. If anyone does have a bead on where Andy Gray is, I hope he's still with us. Please let me know because I would genuinely love to know how the effing hell he ended up on this. I'm assuming friend of the production. It must have been. I I actually really like Gringo on this. I thought he was a good laugh as well. And also, we'll get to it a little bit. Kudos to him. He does that first challenge in his bloody leathers. I honestly got the fire extinguisher gag. I was just like, oh, when he sat down to do to do this challenge, I was like, mate, you're not doing that in leathers. No. I used to own leathers in my younger days. I used to wear leathers. I, I, walking was difficult at time in those. <laughs> it sounded like a straining sofa. I can't imagine doing cycling. 
Spoilers, he bloody wins as well. Believe it or not, you can now control your computer just using your thoughts. If this wee device is for real, the mind drive. Put your finger in the hole and it can allegedly pick up signals from your brain. I'm about to head down this ski run and I'm going to use my thoughts to turn left to go in between these gates here on the left. Now I'm going to go in between the blue ones, so I have to go to the right. I have to go back to the left to go between these. So, I'm using my thoughts to turn left and turn right and head down the... If this is true, then it is indeed fantastic, but we think lots of legs are being pulled. Ash, can you imagine a future where you can control your PC using just your mind? Well, all I know right now is if I look at my PC and I think really, really, really hard, and then I kick the cable, I can switch it off. <laughs> yeah, this is the Mind Drive from a company called The Other 90%. Uh, and this was one of the few games available for it, Mind Skier, which is a sort of like downhill stolen game. Um, I found a review of it from January 1996, no less, written in the New York Times. Uh, it writes here, To move left, you're supposed to think left. To move right, you're admonished to not use words. Instead, relax into right-side thoughts. Same thing for up and down, by respectively energizing or relaxing your thoughts. You get to hone your skills by moving a trail of bubbles through apertures that appear on the screen. Sometimes it seems to work. The same, of course, can be said for the good old Magic 8 Ball. Now, this piece of tat, but that is what it is. It was real, because Dom does say if it actually works, if it's real, I think legs are being pulled. But no, you've read a review of it. It cost $150. It did not read your mind. It actually measured small changes in skin temperature, electrical activity, and pulse rate through the sensor that fits on your fingers. In fact, you actually get one of those kind of things stuck on your finger now if you're getting like a quick checkup from a paramedic or stuff like that, because it's providing most of the same information to their machines. Same with lie detector tests. Yeah. This is essentially a polygraph that lets you play a bad skiing game. Mind Skier was not the only game, of course. There was also Mind Bowling and pinball mind which really feels like they were just like what games could we make that are simple enough to control and slap the word mind onto the beginning or end of it yeah that new york times review i found of it did talk about mind bowling but says here mind bowling would not work on my pc well one of the notes i found on it said as games these are all pretty terrible. Yeah, that's pretty much what this review as well says. It's basically like, it sort of works. It doesn't really. Like, the, the, the way that the review kind of phrases it is that these games, without the gimmick, wouldn't sell. Like, they would not be flying off the shelves because they're not good games. But you're sort of getting it for the, the gimmick of, oh, I am doing this, controlling this with my mind. In fact, actually, they say there, like, with um, Mind Skier, the game more or less does play itself and it doesn't really matter what you're thinking or what you're doing. It, you more or less are just going to get to the bottom regardless. Apparently it also did have another slight issue, which is the controller itself was incredibly sensitive to physically being moved. So if you just tapped your finger, you would suddenly careen off the piste and like go over a mountain. Or if you moved the hand slightly because your wrist was hurting from holding up this kind of dongle, on your index finger, again, you'd suddenly go down a ravine or slam into a tree. It was a gimmick. It was a pretty bad gimmick. This one basically belongs right up there with the haptic vest on Boogerman mm -hmm. and that bloody shooting game. Bang! Bang! 
Oh yeah, yeah, the headset. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think to kind of sort of round this off a little bit from that New York Times thing, they talk about how the fact you can't calibrate it. Um, you said you can adjust the sensitivity, you can't calibrate it. And uh, the writer says here, this admission alone would make the mind drive a contender for the most mindless input device ever invented. I'd still like to try it. <laughs> oh, 100%. If I, if I saw this, at a, a, you know, like they do those sort of like um, history of video game exhibitions and stuff. If they yeah. had one there, I would try it. Absolutely. If you've just been given a PlayStation for Christmas, then ooh! Also, you might want to start saving for this game. Promising to be a more atmospheric and gory version of Doom, Resident Evil is still in development. Top work, mate. But from this early demo, it certainly looks like it's going to be banned. Ash, can you believe we have reached this in our timeline? Feckin' Resident Evil is here. And I love the fans of like, I mean, if this early demo version says this to go by, it's probably going to get banned and won't be here in this country. Oh, Dominic Diamond, you better believe we get it. But it does get censored. Oh, yeah. With the full colour intro becoming a black and white FMV intro. That's it, yeah. We won't see like the full version of this until we get the director's cut a couple of years later. But... I mean, there is so much to talk about with Resident Evil to the point where, I mean, we, we can't really cover it here other than to say this is still a relatively early-ish version. This there's is certainly some noticeable early. differences between this yeah. and the game we finally get. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of to dive into. Maybe we'll do like a full episode on it at some point down the line because bloody hell, there's a lot to talk about with, the Res- with Resident Evil. But yeah, I think this is a very early version of it. Um, with the Resident Evil title, you know, which is interesting because it's you know Biohazard over in the states, uh, over in Japan. I am very curious to see if we get more Resident Evil. I know we get it as a challenge in Series Seven as part of the boss rush thing, but I don't know if we get a review of it. I mean, put this way, whether it comes up or not, we're going to find an excuse to talk about it because Resident Evil is a very important game, a very important franchise. Absolutely, it is. Yeah, and one I fucking adore. For those of you desperate to know the answer to our competition, what is Dominic's favourite game of all time? The answer is Sensible Soccer, which is almost as much fun as dining with a lady. The 10 lucky winners have their names on the bottom of the screen as I speak, and you'll be getting sent either a Saturn or a PlayStation, oh, very, very soon. Now, Ash, I know you were on the edge of our seat. We were really struggling to pick out an answer for this competition. Was it Virtua Fighter? Was it Tekken? Was it? It was. It was sensible soccer. It was. It was. It was always sensible soccer. If sensible soccer hadn't been on the list of games, I would have still turned around and gone. He's going to say sensible soccer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it would like that would have been a real Dominic Diamond thing to do as well. It's like you've really got to know Dominic Diamond in order to know it's actually secret answer number six: sensible soccer. Even if the quiz had been, what is Dominic Diamond's favourite game that isn't sensible soccer? The answer would have still been sensible soccer or it would have been sensible world of soccer that's, exactly, nah. that's what i was about to say it would have been sensible world a different port of it's sensible soccer on the mega drive we're about ready to start our event today blokes with bikes the first leg is on exercise bikes so it should be mr motivator's strong leg here help me out throughout today's event as a man with a similar fitness level to myself Kirk Ewing, Baron Ewing, have you got any tips for the guys? Dr Diamond, well, the first thing to remember here for the stupid people, particularly at home, is to try and stay on the road, use your handlebars to steer. Uh, the next thing they should be trying to do is move up gears as quickly as possible, try and get in the high gears, that's where you'll get the biggest speed. Now, I am slightly concerned that Mr Motivator's lycra costume might fuse with his buttocks, so I have uh, 
I've got my fire extinguisher <laughs> handy here, just in the off chance. You can never be too safe, Kirk. That's, that's what I always say. That's right, Doctor. <laughs> We've got Kirk Ewing in the commentary box because, of course, he's there. It's one big joke. Uh, and I like the fact that they, Dominic Diamond starts calling him Baron Ewing, to which, to which Kirk responds by calling him Dr. Diamond. Which sounds like a really, really cool Batman villain. Oh, Dr. Diamond. Dr. Diamond. Like, he's kind of... It's like Mr. Freeze, but instead of being icy, he's just literally a walking kind of diamond. Uh, and this is also where we have your uh, intro line of here, where the fire extinguisher that we saw in the Christmas special makes a reappearance. You've got to get your money's worth out of that prop that definitely wasn't just something that was in the studio because they all kept sneaking behind the kind of, like, the fake trees to have a quick fag. Also, safety first. Safety first. So we've got Mr. Motivator up first, and yep, he immediately goes off the track as he tries to get to grips with this thing. I mean, that's because technically the steering on this thing is not controlled by a steering wheel. It is a tilt. So you tilt left, you tilt right. It's like the, um, do you remember the controller that we saw for the Mega Drive way back when, the chair thing, mm -hmm. where you tilt around to, to move? It's essentially the same sort of thing. It's just kind of a lever or a mercury switch or something. But for anyone, I think, while you're trying to get up to speed and get up to pedal, because you're kind of really moving your legs, you're going to be shifting backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. It's no wonder he careened off the road. But he not only finds the road again, he also zooms past 20 miles an hour. And he also is shouting his own encouragement because he's Mr. Motivator. And you've got like Dom and Kirk trying to do their commentary and you've got sort of the piped in crowd noise and stuff. But you can just hear Mr. Motivator yelling at himself encouragement so he can get around this track as fast as possible. One thing I do like, and it happens on both kind of him and Gringo's go, is they are supporting each other in this. Yeah. You'd expect it from Mr. Motivator, but I was really glad to see it from Gringo. These were two slightly older gentlemen than the average challenges you get on Games Master, perhaps. But they were there to have a good time. And they'd clearly kind of found something to bond over in the green room. They'd, they'd kind of, they've got a bit of a relationship between them going on. And I, I really like that. I think they both know what they're in for. Like, they both know what this is, which is a bit of a lark. It's a bit of fun. It's a nice way to spend a Wednesday. And... I, I just think they're having a blast doing this taping. And that comes across in the episode's edits, uh, uh, you know, not just across the, the, the challenges that we see, but the interactions between them. But throughout Mr. Motivator's challenge, he kind of gets to first and second place and is trading off on those places throughout the rest of the race. He does lose the road a couple of times, but he finds it again and he clears that second checkpoint in one minute, 22 seconds. Now, it's not it, even even just as the first challenge. That doesn't feel like a bad time because... He was going a fair old clip. It does, yeah. And it's a tight little corner you've got at the end there, like a real S-bend. And like I think Gringo does the same thing, which is just go straight across, almost Mario Kart it. Absolutely. But I do like when he gets off the bike, and despite the fact this is Mr. Motivator, this is Captain Fitness, he still gets off it like a drunk trying to stand up off the bus. He's still like, ah. Yeah, exactly. Stand up like, oh, me thighs. Perhaps my Lycra did fuse to the seat. Yeah. So we've got Gringo up next. And like you said, you can hear Mr. Motivator. Like Mr. Motivator was almost like rubbing his shoulders and stuff, being like, you've got this, Gringo. You've got this. You're going to have a great time on here. And he does get off to a much faster start, although he's also slightly all over the place with his bike riding. He doesn't careen off the track quite as quickly, but he's not 
far behind. He's ahead by the time he gets to the first checkpoint. And then by the time he gets to the second, he's lost a bit of time due to a distinct wobble off the track. But he still makes it in one minute, 20 seconds, a clear two seconds ahead of Mr. Motivator. And this is the point when I just went, this episode is going to be lovely. This is going to be a lovely episode. We've got two people who, one, both seem to want to win, but two, also want to support each other. It's really nice as well. Kirk Ewing during this commentary also has a rejected line I had for the start of this, which was... Although I would have been imagined that Kringle would be used to something slightly more powerful between his legs. Dick gag. <laughs> well, Derek. My name's Dexter, actually. This was your, this was going to be your strong event, and you're two seconds behind. What happened? I give him a chance. Give him a chance. <laughs> it wasn't all those press-ups tiring you out at the start? No, no, he's younger than me. I had to give him a go. You know how so it is. So you reckon you can still pull it back oh, on the big no, motorbike? That's here. easy a bit. Now, Gringo, what was that like then compared to riding your Harley? Well, I was looking for the accelerator first. <laughs> Secondly, I've never sweated so much in these leathers. <laughs> no, they're not exactly the right no. trouser to wear for this. Uh, no, no. I mean, maybe for the for the actual motorbike one, would you fancy slipping into something like Mr. Motorbike's um, one? Yeah, a little toned down, I think, you know, a little nice <laughs> black ones with lightning bolts up the side. <laughs> also, Mr. Motorbike in this post-match here has got a great excuse as to why he didn't win, because Dom's like, this is your round. You're supposed to win this one and struggle in the next one. And he's like, He's younger than me. He's got the advantage. Me, on the other hand, when I get onto that game, I'm going to be amazing at it. And I was like, I believe you. I don't think you are, but I actually believe you're that charismatic. I believe what you're saying. Meanwhile, over on Gringo's side, Gringo is regretting his choice of wardrobe. <laughs> and He's you like, would. I have never sweated so much in my life. And yeah, leather biker trousers, not the pant of choice for this challenge. No, instead he wants black lycra with lightning bolts up the side. That's, that's gone from biker to wrestler. It is. And then I've just written in my notes here, I like Gringo. I, do you know what? I like everyone in this episode so far. Everyone has been lovely. Dom's been lovely. Kirk's been lovely. Mr. Motivator's been lovely. Gringo's been lovely. We're going into the reviews. Are we going to maintain that level of lovely? First up on the PlayStation, Lone Soldier. A professional combat bloke with underdeveloped social skills and questionable physical hygiene fights guys on his own. Doom without a roof, or at least that's what Telstar would like you to believe about Lone Soldier. The truth of the matter is it's a very good idea that doesn't quite come off. You play a Rambo-type character running along various valleys, shooting everyone who gets in your path, but the collision detection is dodgy, and there's no reaction when you are hit, and there's no reaction when you hit the baddies yourself. What with lakes where you have boats coming across and soldiers to shoot and everything, it's very clumsy and very hard to control. What I would suggest instead is getting an action man, putting Doom on your PlayStation and holding the action man in front of the screen, just wobbling him around. It's pretty much similar. I don't know how this managed to get through the edit here, but when Dom does his intro for this game, he literally ums. He literally is just like, ba 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 uh, it's Lone Soldier on the PSX. And to be honest, if any game deserved a, uh, it was probably Lone Soldier on the PSX. Because I know some games look better than others. I know some games have aged more gracefully than others. This game looks shit even by 1995 to 1996 standards. Yeah, it's sort of like, you can tell that it's an early foray into 3D shooters because the way that they describe this is Doom Without a Roof. Doom without a roof. And it's like it's it's interesting. So like you look at the reviews at the time, it was they were quite mixed, really. And this is a bit a bit of a mixed review as well. Like, you know, 60% isn't isn't awful or anything. They're not specifically praising of it. 
but it has then sort of like you know been reevaluated by some YouTube channels and had to be like, no, I think this is one of the worst PlayStation games available. And yeah, I, I Dave talks about you know the, the collision detection is poor. Rick calls it clumsy and says you're better off just holding an action man in front of Doom because it's pretty much similar. Sadly, it's not reviewed in this issue of the magazine. It is reviewed in the next issue though. Oh, oh. can't can't talk about that. Can't talk about that. That's in the future. That would break the timeline. But it's the line of it's Doom without a roof. Look, we've both played quite a bit of retro Doom over the past year because it's come out again. It's around. I've also played some Duke Nukem because it's come out and it's around. Do you know what I've never thought about Doom? What's that? Needs less roof. It's a weird line, isn't it? Doom without a roof. It's 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 like going, you know. Oh, it's like Mario without legs. It's it, it's a it's a nonsense line. It doesn't make any sense. Also, there are areas of Doom without roofs. You go outside. Are they thinking of Wolfenstein 3D? Because Wolfenstein 3D is entirely enclosed. I guess so. I mean, it's just the way that they chose to describe, and it isn't. It shows a lot where we are with three D shooters and the lack thereof, because the only thing they can compare it to is Doom, and it, yeah, it's a bizarre little thing to say. Uh, there are a few things of interesting note about this game, other than it being awful. Uh, one is during development, an alpha version of the game was given to some video game magazines to preview, which included three rocky levels that weren't actually in the finished game although there was a derivative that appeared but the most interesting one is this is a victim of the german censorship thing Mm -hmm. yeah they replaced all the humans with robots instead and the box art was also amended to reflect these changes and i mean 60 percent here in this review an early donkey for the ps1 but magazines boy howdy you can tell who was in someone's back pocket because psx pro gave it 5.5 out of 10 that's kind of in line with 60 percent Play magazine gave it 92%. Fuck off, did they? <laughs> you know what that is, Luke? That is paid for promotion. That's a damn fine lunch, that is. <laughs> That's a bar tab that no one questions. Three, Next up, two, Ridge Racer Revolution on the PlayStation, in which all of the cars from the first game get together and complain about low wages and long hours. Or probably not. To be honest, it's not that different to Ridge Racer itself, but it does have three brand new tracks that are incredibly well designed, and better still, a two-player link-up. The game is very, very similar, and the tracks are just that little bit longer, they're a little bit faster, and they're more windy. This is the test that Ridge Racer experts have been waiting for, as the gameplay is just that little bit more tense and a bit more twitchy, similar to Wipeout. This is going to push people a little bit harder, but have we seen enough Ridge Racer? Yep, those PlayStation owners who have already got Ridge Racer have probably seen too much of it to get Ridge Racer Revolution. And Ridge Racer Revolution is a lot more difficult, which is exactly what Ridge Racer always needed. It's tops. Up next, we've got Ridge Racer Revolution on the PlayStation. Wait, did we just review the first Ridge Racer like two weeks ago? Well, we reviewed it back in Series 4, I think. We had it as a as one of the console gifts, like the competition gifts in Series 5. Oh, no, I know. I'm, I'm being facetious. I'm just like, wait, we only just talked about Ridge Racer and now here's Ridge Racer Revolution? Yeah, I mean, it's, I guess it's because you know the thing that people always said about Ridge Racer is that there's not a lot of tracks to it. There's not a lot of cars to it. It's, you know, amazing. Arcade perfect. I'm using Bucky O'Hare ears for our podcast listeners, which you all are. But here it's just like, well, this is the expanded version of it. And if you've just got a PlayStation, but you haven't got Ridge Racer, probably get this one. But I mean, they even say here, like, even if you've got Ridge Racer, 
maybe you want to get Ridge Racer Evolution because if you're really, really good at Ridge Racer, this is like a much tougher challenge for you, which is what what the game needs. And this is the PlayStation sequel to Ridge Racer. It's not the arcade sequel to Ridge Racer because the arcade sequel to Ridge Racer was slightly unoriginally called Ridge Racer 2. This is Ridge Racer 2.5. It's got extras in it. It's got the soundtrack of Ridge Racer 2. It's also got additional cars, additional track features. It's got support for Namco's NegCon, N-E-G-Con controller, the twisty thing in the middle that's kind of like a bop it. Yeah, actually, Catacurus just recently did a review of that. Uh, he did a video on his channel of just like the weird PlayStation peripherals, and he did talk about that one. I've actually played it on one. Going way back to the original time in the 90s, it was surprisingly intuitive at the time. I don't think I ever owned it. I'm trying to remember what the first gimmick PlayStation controller I owned with, and I want to say it was the Resident Evil one. The Resident Evil 2 one? Where it's yeah. got like a, a gun on the side of it for the uh, with the yeah. trigger. Yeah, that's the one I had as well. I was I was about to say that's the only gimmick one I could. There wasn't a third party controller. I think that was the only gimmick one I ever had. But back with Ridge Racer Revolution, um, it also supported link up via the link cable, and was developed in about the same time as the first one. And it was it was kind of. It was just kind of a way of going, yeah, we know we just can't release the arcade game. We can build upon what we did with the first. We can build upon what we did with the sequel for the arcade. And here it is. Three new tracks, a two-player mode. And it's a bit longer. It's a bit harder. Knob gag. Dave Perry. 85% for it there. It's a pretty good score. I'd be disappointed, but it is essentially more the same. Yeah. And also, as we've said, not every game needs to be 90%. Anything over 75% is probably worth a sniff. If you like Ridge Racer... You're going to like Ridge Racer Revolution. You're also going to like Rage Racer when it appears. Basically, you're just getting more of the same. As well as being a hideously underrated social disease, worms are coming to the PlayStation. Randomly generated levels means there's up to 10 billion possible scenarios, which is quite a lot as it happens. Even though it looks very basic in its graphics, the gameplay is fantastic, with you taking on a team of four worms, each of which have a variety of methods of destruction. The ultimate goal in worms is to decimate your opponent. You can even use dragon punches from Street Fighter 2. You can bungee jump. This game is fantastic in one-player mode. As a multiplayer game, it excels. And as a multi-format release, I think this is going to be a huge hit. In fact, I stake my bandana on it. I, mean, I was excited for Resident Evil earlier, and I'm just as excited for our next game here because I've talked this game up a lot throughout Series 5. It's one of my favorites on the Evercade as well. It was one of my favorites around this time. This is a game that I get in this year in my timeline. And I, I find it a, a fascinating game to look back at as well, considering where we are in our timeline here of January 1996, because this is a game that the development story of this game is one you don't really tend to hear about at this point like if you'd have heard this story in series one or series two of games master it would have felt right at home because this is a bedroom programmer entering into like amiga format magazine competitions to get a game published i'm a massive fan of lemmings so i've made this on basics and and i want to see if i can you know win a competition or something you know we literally saw that in series two of games master 
And yet here we are, right at the end of Series 5, and we have that same story again. And it becomes one of the biggest selling games of 1996. I fucking love Worms. I too have the Worms cartridge for the Evercade. And I've got a shocking confession for you, Luke. What's that? I started playing Worms and I reset the console and I went over to the sequel. Oh yeah, (laughs) you went to Armageddon. I just went to Worms Armageddon. I don't know what it was. I think we, because we tried to play it multiplayer and it was it became really difficult to tell whose go was what and it also was very very easy to quit out yes. to the main menu i would say with the evercade it you know playing on a pc i think you can map lots of buttons to it but on the evercade it takes a little bit of game around it took me i'm glad i didn't do this on a stream it took me ages to rename a team because you're trying to work out what button is inputs, what button is pressed backwards, what button is quit out of the screen. Whereas Worms Armageddon is essentially the PlayStation version. Yeah. And therefore it is mapped to the PlayStation controller. The bizarre thing is, as we see here, Worms did come out for the PlayStation and that has its controls work perfectly on the PlayStation. You're not accidentally dropping back out to the main menu on this one. Not at all. Um... I think I first owned Worms on the PlayStation. I remember playing it a lot with a friend of mine. I used to kind of pack my PlayStation into a bag and take it around to his house. And this was one of the games that we would just sink hours and hours into, both creating our own teams and playing multiplayer games and kind of generating new maps and all that stuff. It was such a good time. And the worst thing I can say about Worms is the more time went on, the more they dicked around with the formula of the original and the less enjoyable it got. They found their way back recently, but for a long time for me, Worms Armageddon was like kind of the top, and it's also the one I'm going back to now. Yeah, I've really enjoyed my time replaying uh, Worms. I've also actually, I was really enjoying just doing some research on this as well, and it made me think of the interview that we did with Dominic Diamond when he was talking about Series 4. And you remember when he said that he would be really mad? Woebetide, I believe, was the term he used if bad influence got something before they did or if they got some footage before they did he'd be really mad about it i found a a clip of bad influence and it's not just them showing off worms and it's an early version of worms as well because it's still called total wormage in the corner so it's like andy davidson's original version that he was programming for the amiga format um competition he's there in the room as well and they interview him and this is the man behind worms programmer andy davidson welcome to that thanks and he slaved away in his bedroom for more than two years working with his amiga a1200 in blitz basic and came up with this which is the original version of worms what's different between that and the game we're going to see released apart from the title yeah um basically this was um the first version of worms which i got up and running there's just a lot of things i want to do with the game which i didn't get time for this was done for a, a competition for amiga format magazine yeah wasn't it? Um, i thought that basically would be the um the best way of getting it noticed they've announced the results of the competition yep and you and weren't in there worms was amongst them. <laughs> so worms is lurking in a drawer somewhere yeah. isn't it somewhere at amiga format magazine so you knew it was a good game but it hadn't done very well in the competition. So what did you do to get it noticed? Uh, well, I um, uh, knocked another version together and took it along to the ECTS. Now, that's a computer trade show. Yeah. And you wandered around with your discs in a box. Yeah. Um, yeah. And wandered... Did you go to lots of people? Or... Uh, no, so Team Semp Team was the, um, like, sort of top of the list because, like, they um, were sort of on the side of the programmers and they've tried no different ideas before. So I thought... So I went to them first and put it on and after five minutes said, do you want it published? I thought that you said, um, oh, okay then, if you really want yeah. to. <laughs> Thanks very much indeed for coming Thanks. in. Worms is released in November, initially for Amiga, PC and PlayStation, but with other formats to follow soon. 
it's meant to be sort of like one of the big first looks and it's it's around this period of time as well as like it's going to be available on all formats coming up very soon and i must have thought it was like i mean was dom that asked about losing out to the worms guy was he so much more focused on like i want to have the first look at the n64 but we're seeing the review of the playstation version here and it is something of a minor miracle we got it because sony did not want straight 2d games being ported across to the playstation you had to have a really really good argument to get your 2d game on the playstation rayman had the luscious animation it was going to get that uh some of the shoot 'em ups of course had their hardcore audience in japan which sony weren't stupid they knew which side of the bread was buttered street fighter it's street, street fighter. fighter yeah but some game that is literally an amiga demo boy howdy it took some doing i'm really glad it did because I wouldn't have played Worms until a lot later if not for it, and I would have missed out on so many good times and great memories. But speaking of good times and great memories, Luke, guess what? Oh, yeah, there was... There's quite the story with this Jaguar version. Yeah, because this Jaguar version, it arrived a little later than most of the versions. In fact, I think all of the versions. In fact, I think this was one of the last games ever released for the Atari Jaguar on May 15th, 1998. 1998. Games Master is off the air by the time Worms lands on the Jaguar. The Jaguar at this point already has half a foot in the door of the dentist surgery. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating thing. There are also cancel ports for the Virtual Boy and 32X virtual boy actually would have been a, a very interesting way of playing worms oh christ it would have been impossible it would have been terrible but yeah the most notable thing about the jaguar port that grabbed my eye was you couldn't really buy it in shops you had to order it direct from telegames for mysterious no one sells the sodding jaguar anymore reasons i mean i'm not it's 1998 man resident evil 2's out now but you could be playing worms on the jaguar Luke. <laughs> the jaguar for fuck's sake tell you what the numpad will probably be a much quicker for the uh the name the the name typing in because you could use the kind of old school text phone pad system if only it had come out earlier could have saved the console it could have been that killer app <laughs> we could have got a jaguar cd port luke now usually at this point we would just jump straight into the ad break but i really enjoyed this ad break bumper which is that gringo and dominic diamond are showing mr motivator their own version of exercise which is drinking a bottle of pop and eating a bacon sarnie and gringo's face when he's eating that's like a proper like eating into that bacon sarnie it's so good he does regret it somewhat and did you see why no that bacon was raw <laughs> well it was cured because yeah. bacon is that's kind of what part of what makes it bacon but it was not cooked bacon or if it was it had been introduced to a heat source it had been kind of put on a plate next to a microwave and gone See that? It goes ping and boom, waves. But no, that was bread and the bacon is hanging out the side. It looks completely uncooked. Yeah, the most cooking that had had been from the studio lights. And Mr. Motivator reminds us that what you eat today, you wear tomorrow. Especially if you're Lady Gaga in a meat dress. Coming up in part two, the second leg of our Blokes with Bikes event. During the break, me and Gringo are going to teach Mr. Motivator some alternative lifestyle exercises. So, with the bottle of pop in your right hand, raise the bacon sarnie to your mouth, <laughs> chew, and repeat when necessary. Remember, kids, what you eat today, you wear tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Join us after the break. When you're being chased by the mob, the triads 
and the police, there's not many people you can turn to. We'll never get away with this. This is our only chance to go straight. To call this going straight? If you're trying to repent, trust in the Lord. Robbie Coltrane and Eric Idle are getting the habit. Nuns on the Run, tonight at 8.30 on Channel 4. Cold weather getting you down. Have you been a Christmas pudding? Shake off your winter blues with me here in St Lucia. Play the McDonald's one and a half million pound Monopoly game. There are thousands of great prizes to win instantly or by collecting the stickers on special cups and fry boxes. We're giving away 10 mini Mayfairs. United Vacations Holidays in America. Lots of free McDonald's including Big Macs and Coca-Cola. And even the chance to win 50,000 pounds. Big Macs all round. Go directly to McDonald's and play the one and a half million pound Monopoly game. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For a fantastic family Christmas in 1996, become a Country Hampers agent now. Call 0800 505 for your free catalogue. Every Country Hamper is packed with the family's favourite brands. There's a choice of over 50 hampers from just 50p a week. There are also great gifts, including jewellery, quality tableware and shopping vouchers which are welcomed at over 4,000 leading high street outlets. Phone now for your free catalogue and discover how you could claim a superb free gift and make up to 25% commission as a Country Hampers agent. You could even win £25,000 in our amazing grand prize draw. With Country Hampers it's so easy. You save throughout the year and everything is delivered in good time for Christmas. For your free Country Hampers catalogue, call now on 0800 505 That's 0800 505 and you'll be well on your way to a fantastic family Christmas in 1996. <laughs> Channel 4's back in the emergency room with the highly skilled doctors and nurses of ER. Welcome to hell. Where any sufferer could just drop in. 
from problems of the heart. I'm the one who's had to go home to my husband. To serious complaints. Seems to be a little tension in the workplace. Trying to remain calm. She's irritating as hell and you know it. While struggling not to lose their patience. ER, the new series starts Wednesday at 10 on 4. We're just about to start the second leg of our Blokes with Bikes Challenge. Mr. Motivator has consumed 17 bacon sandwiches during that break, so he's setting a fine pace here. You can tell how much fun Mr. Motivator is having when we come back from the ad break here because he is playing ball as he is playing Bucky O'Hare is our CyberCycle's arcade machine here, despite the fact we can quite clearly see it's the leaderboard there. But he is looking at it and acting like he is playing this game credit to the man he's also probably working off a major major carbohydrate rush because apparently he consumed 17 bacon sandwiches and presumably all of them raw yeah i was gonna say i hope they went like gringos bloody hell they've been terrible for your digestion but oh cyber cycles i mean it's not a great game it's it's not actually that good a game but it is a game and it's a game that involves a big novelty kind of controller machine so i'm here for it well, we'll get into that because we've got our feature first. At the end of the last series, I visited the set of Lawnmower Man 2 and was kept up half the night waiting to interview Patrick Bergen. The original film was a huge success and Lawnmower Man 2 picks up quite literally where that left off. I am God here. Job, who lost his legs after an accident with a lawnmower, has found power inside virtual reality and is now attempting to destroy the real world and force everyone into cyberspace to push up property values and make a killing. Despite the heavy sounding plot, there's a definite younger feel this time around, with more action and a cast made up largely of young cyber brats who can navigate the virtual world no problem. Their leader is Peter, the only member of the original cast to appear in the sequel. Unfortunately, Peter only knew Job as the nice guy next door with the big lawnmower and consequently gets sucked into his plans. Job? Alive. How could that be? There isn't time, Peter. I need your help. Oh, look, Luke. It's Lawnmower Man 2. You remember Lawnmower Man 2. Oh, I remember it. We went to the set of Lawnmower Man 2 in Series 4. Um, well, we, we didn't. We, well, we did via Dominic Diamond. <laughs> Living vicariously on this major box office hit in the making. Yeah, and I guess part of the deal of you can come out to Hollywood and you can also interview cast members is that when the film comes out, there's a press pack and you can show that press pack later on. Because, um, you know, I think Dominic Diamond's end line where they's like, Lawnmower Man 2 will be plopping onto a cinema screen near you from March. Really does sum up that he's like, oh no, it actually looks a bit rubbish uh, and I don't think we should be pretending that we think this is going to be good because this looks like i mean we talked about it a lot when you know we had the feature back in series four but christmas day the quality of this it looks like proper rubbish seasons of buffy i'm still amazed this wasn't filmed in canada yeah i'm amazed this is an actual legit box office movie this one's in this box is not, office yeah, yeah fuck your heads but like what i mean by that is this was released in cinemas this isn't just some straight to DVD because it looks straight to straight to video. I mean, we saw it being produced. The actual sets looked really good. It was made on a fairly, at the time, you know, respectable budget for a sci-fi sequel. $15 million. What was its box office, Luke? Oh, God. I mean, what, three quid and a packet of peanuts? Close. 2.5 million, which is based on inflation about the same nowadays. Cost yeah. of living increases. <laughs> yeah. 
But I rewatched this. I rewatched both Lawnmower Man movies during lockdown. That's when I jumped the shark in lockdown. It wasn't watching the first Lawnmower Man. It was watching the second. Oh, man. And for some reason at the time, it was on Amazon Prime, but the Amazon Prime version looked like it was sourced from the VHS. It's a bit like, um, do you ever have Chopping Mall on DVD? I've got Chopping Mall. I, I don't have Chopping Mall on DVD. I do have it on Blu-ray. Well, that Blu-ray is actually nice because that Blu-ray is like a proper transfer. The DVD release was literally someone had taped it off a of VHS and put it into shops because I've got oh. it and it's got scan lines on it. Oh, I, do you know what? I bloody love Chopping Mall. Oh, it's a great film. It's a superb movie. If we ever get to a point where we are literally just picking random movies to talk about, I think Chopping Mall might be on that list. More people to know, need to know of its glory. And absolutely. also, amazing cameo by Dick Miller. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think if we do review it, let's watch the DVD version where it's just ripped off a of VHS. But anyway, enough of talking about Lawnmower Man 2. God, I hope it gets a 4K Blu-ray release. <laughs> that would be hilarious. That's a proper Shout Factory release, that. That's that's one of those ones where they release it with the original because they know it's the only way that it's kind of like, you know, you, you, you want to license the original. OK, but you've got to take the sequel. Well, let's get into our final challenge. What are we playing, Games Master? The second and final part of our event is on the Namco arcade racer Cyber Cyphers, in which contestants must again reach the second checkpoint as quickly as they can by steering their bike through the treacherous city track. Remember, the time they achieve in this will be added to their time on the earlier challenge, with the joystick going to whichever contestant had the lowest combined figure. Now, what I like about this is that we kind of explained the format of this challenge. We probably should have explained this at the start of the show, because I was watching this thinking like, well, how are we going to determine a winner here? Because Gringo won the first one. What if Mr. Motivator wins this one? We're at a tie. But what they tell us is that their total times are going to be combined and that is what is going to determine our winner. So I think that's, that's a smart way of doing things. No, that actually is the most logical way they could do this because a lot of the times when they have these kind of two-challenge, two-part challenges, because they've had a few throughout Series 5, the first challenge is completely meaningless. I'm thinking of the couples challenge. Do you remember that? Where the first part really didn't do jack shit in yeah. the end. And the same with the Gladiators one as well. Yeah, but here, making it the kind of shortest overall time is the winner. Yeah, that's smart. That's, I mean, that's how I'd do it. That's using your noodle right there. But yeah, you kind of were mentioning earlier that like Cyber Cycles is, it's a floaty old game, isn't it? When you sort of watch it being played. It was well received. It was only available in arcades. There was no home port that I'm aware of. I think there was kind of a... Um, a uh, related game that came out at some point or was certainly in development. But no, this was one that existed in the arcade because it relied on some bloody great plastic bikes that you had to straddle. And it kind of had a bit of Ridge Racer to it, a bit of Akira to it, definitely something along those yeah, lines with those bikes. So. It's, it's very Namco, this. Oh, well, I mean, it's a Namco game, so That's definitely. I mean, yeah. But, but yeah, it is peak Namco of the 90s of let's create a cool bit of hardware and a cool game to go with it. It was running on their System 22 hardware and allowed up to four people to play simultaneously. You could get two of the two-player cabs and stack them together, four-player simultaneous racing. I've got to imagine that would be a lot of fun. I would imagine as well. Take up a lot of space, though, in your arcade. There's a lot of retail space being taken up by that. 
but, you know, it was pretty well received. You know, there's like, uh, you know, there's articles out there. It's like it was like the fourth most successful de- dedicated arcade game uh, during August of '95. So people did really get onto this, and I imagine it's probably because the big size and scope of it and stuff. And yeah, it's, you know, I think these sorts of games at this period of time were really popular in the arcades. Absolutely, and it does look like fun here, even if both of our players are. To be blunt, planks. Yeah, I think, well, Gringo makes a terrible mistake, which we'll get onto when we get to him. Terrible mistakes that aren't the leather trousers. <laughs> or the raw bacon sandwich. Okay, we have the top exercise superstar, Mr. Motivator, and top biking bloke, Gringo, about to try the second leg of our Brokesmith Bikes event. Mr. Motivator is two seconds behind after the first leg. Kirk, how can he pick up that time? thing to do here, Mr. Motivator's got to bank early into the turns and accelerate hard out. If you, ex- if you come into the turns too late, bank too late, you're going to end up in the accident the emergency and we're not just talking about an elastoplast. One other thing you should look for is to make sure and check his helmet for defects before he hits the track. Well, Kirk has got very, very good life advice here, which is check your helmet for defects. Another rejected opening line for me. And another knob gag. They're just getting them all in. They're just cramming them in. Diamondism. Um, so at this point here, Mr. Motivator is two seconds behind. So he needs a really, really good run here. And Ash, he doesn't quite have one of those because I would say he's having issues with his turns. Now, by having issues with his turns, do you mean essentially using crashing as a turning technique? That is exactly what he is doing. He is playing this like I probably would have played it in the arcades. Essentially, he is performing perfect 90 degree turns and he's doing this by driving straight at the corner crashing and then when you remount the bike you've turned to face the right way it's a tactic mm-hmm. and it and it gets him one minute 29 on the clock which i don't know it seems like it's a fairly decent enough time um uh, yeah, and like, it is a lot of driving into a wall and that wall then just guiding him round. So that means that Gringo needs to do this within one minute and 31 or under in order to win. And the error that he makes here is that he has picked the wild hog. And I'm guessing he's picked the wild hog because it's called a wild hog. It's called, you know, it's, it sounds like a motorbike, which is what his gimmick is. Problem is that that bike is designed for expert players of this game. And I don't think Gringo is one of them. I would agree, especially based on his performance here. <laughs> exactly, because he's picked the car that's harder. He's picked the bike that's harder control, which just means he wipes out immediately. And he does actually do something that Mr. Motivator failed to do, which is he kind of gets the concept of power sliding around corners. The problem is he doesn't get the concept of when you need to stop power sliding around corners because he ends up overcompensating and thereby going into the wrong wall. I think if he'd have gone on the same bike as Mr. Motivator, he would have fared much better on this game. Because I think I think you're right. Like he gets the idea of it. He gets the concept of it. I think he's just the bike he's got is too powerful for his level of skill on the game. But over in commentary corner, Kirk thinks that this is one of the most blokish experiences he's ever had. And from a guy that was hanging out with Dominic Diamond in the 90s, that's saying a lot. <laughs> yeah. uh, what I love about this is that, yeah, so Gringo was two seconds ahead. Mr. Motivator did a lot of wiping out in the course. And yet, this does come down to one single second. Because Gringo's got to do this in under one minute 31. 
and he does it in one minute 30. Oh, it was deliciously close at the end there. And technically, Mr. Motivator won this challenge by one second, but, you know, the combined time means it still comes out in favour of, of Gringo. That was a Ooh, close one there. A strong grip, that guy. I tell you, I, the interesting thing is, right, was that you actually had a faster time on the motorbike one than Gringo, and he had a faster time than you on the exercise bike one. Does that make you want to change your career? No, I just want to say to the children at home, the fun is in the competing, not in the winning. <laughs> <laughs> Funny, everybody who comes second always says that on the show, Mr. Motivator. Um, now, Gringo, you did crash quite a lot. Yeah, it's not like me, that. On that well, I don't know, actually. No, I, I didn't see you down as a kind of Barry Sheen type yeah. of person. But uh, was there ever any point where you thought you might have blown it? Just at the end, yeah, when you're all egging me on. I was yeah. just getting short of time, wasn't I? So. <laughs> That's it, one wobble and you would have bet in the dust and Mr. Morbid would have walked away with the prize. And in the post-match, Dom is very quick to point this out because he's like, well, Mr. Motivator was a faster biker. Gringo, you were quicker on the exercise. Could this signal a career change? And I would have loved to have seen Gringo on TVAM in a shopping centre doing aerobics in the leathers with the mullet. There's a moment here where Mr. Motivator has a moment of clarity of what where he is and what he is doing, because he walks over and he goes, great job, Gringo, and then realises what he said and bursts into laughter to be like, oh, what am I doing here? I'm racing on a computer game with a lad named Gringo. This is a brilliant day out. Well done, Gringo. Gringo. That was... <laughs> This is much better than being in another shopping centre again, doing aerobics with a bunch of people that are likely to keel over at any second. It's so good. He like shakes his head like, oh, what a strong grip that man has. Uh, you got to have a strong grip, Luke, because he's got to keep a tight control of his hog. And again, he's getting his message across to the kids. It's, you know, it's the fun is, the fun is competing, not the winning. I, I bloody love Mr. Motivator. He's so good. And he basically then says he came undone because everyone was egging him on. And then Mr. Mofo is like, I don't want to win the joystick anyway. I saw what it was and I didn't want to win it. It's a bit of a weird flex. But the angels appear and Gringo inspects his prize and also inspects the angels. And Mr. Motivator cheers him on regardless. Lovely. Lovely stuff. Well, that's quite enough figure-hugging costumes for one week. And we've run out of time. And remember, folks, life is a bit like a mountain bike. It's tough going uphill, but fantastic going down. Bye-bye. I had so much fun with both of those challenges. Loved it. This is one of the two extremes of Games Master being at its best. One is when you get incredibly good gameplay when you get incredibly tight skill tight competition because both players are really really good or all the players are really really good or like the time limit is really tight like the virtual cop challenge and other things like that and the other is this where you've got two people that kind of know what they're doing but they're having a bloody good time doing it. Oh, they're having such a good time on this. It's the journey, not the destination. These two have had a fantastic... You know, they used to say that on um, game shows, oh, we've had a great day out. That is what these two lads have had. Now, you know, I know Mr. Motivator, he's always about what you eat today, you wear tomorrow. I want to imagine this lot all went for a nice curry. Oh, love that. He would have had He would have had his uh, kind of like biri- cauliflower biryani or something like that with a brown rice... And Gringo would have gone for the, the hottest thing. Yeah, a Vindaloo and a Dan Sack at the same time. Quality choices. But I just I just felt like everyone was having a good time. Everyone was having a lovely time. The reviews were fine. But yeah, it was a good, positive episode. Lovely to have at this point in the season. 
Yeah, it is. Like, I think this is one of the strongest episodes of Series 5. I, I say strongest. It's one of the episodes I've had the most fun with. Like, I really, really enjoyed this episode. I loved both the challenges. I had fun in the, the news as well. You know, the mind thing and Resident Evil and stuff. Thought we had some fun reviews. The Lawnmower Man feature is probably the only weak point of the episode because it felt like a contractual obligation. But it's also a shorter part of the episode. Like, there's so much more focus on the challenges and the fun stuff. Absolutely. And also, we got a stinger. We didn't even mention the stinger. That's right, yeah. Where he compares himself to a, a, a young Brando, a bald Brando, in fact. I love this lighting with me on it. If you look at that, I'm like a young Brando in this light. A bald one with glasses. Yeah, he's like, I'm, I'm like Marlon Brando in this current lighting. A bald man with glasses. <laughs> Poor Tom. Yeah, I mean... I, I really, really, really enjoyed this episode. Same. It's it, it, Let's start talking serious serious here. It's percentages time. This is easily in the 90% category. Easily so. Easily so. I had far too much fun with this to not put it in the 90s. I'm just trying to decide how far this goes into the 90s. That's kind of where I am as well, because I have got to decide now with myself is like you know i don't this is not one of the all-time great episodes like i don't think this is like held as like one of the all-time best episodes of games master but i had a hell of a lot of fun with it so i don't think i can put it into sort of like the mid 90s bracket so i am very much between 90 and 94 at the moment and i think i'm settling at 93 i'm gonna settle at 93 percent on this i'm gonna be at 92 so i'm only one percent below but yeah, I, I can't quite put it in the mid-90s. Um, if we'd had, maybe instead of the feature, another challenge, one that was a bit more diehard game players, maybe that would have pushed it up or maybe it would have pushed it down because the one thing you can say about this episode is it was consistent. It had a flow. Nothing felt rushed. Everything had time to breathe. And it's a good New Year's episode as well. A really good sort of like easing yourself into the new year. And also thematically appropriate because what is it people always do in the new year, Luke? It's always exactly. like, going to get fit, going to get some exercise. Which makes me think that they timed this to be that as well, to be the new year's episode. For a production that quite a lot of the time seems completely chaotic <laughs> and unmanaged. Good work, 90s production fellas. I think they've actually done pretty well in the last three episodes. You know, we had the episodes like, hey, you might get one of these for Christmas. Then we had the Christmas special and then this one. I think they've done pretty well with this. So yeah, I... A, a lovely, lovely episode. I highly recommend people and go and watch this one. But I think that is going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you all so much for listening. You all rule. We are on social media on Twitter at underconsolepod, on Instagram at under.console. And you can send us an email with your all important feedback to series five to feedback at underconsultation.com. Whether it's written down MP3, send us a video. It won't work quite well on an audio podcast, but send one anyway. You'll give us something to laugh at, if nothing else. And if you want to chat with us in real time, if you want to chat with other listeners, other fans of retro gaming, retro pop culture, all that good stuff, you can do so over on our Discord, where currently there is talk about wrestling, there's talk about dog walking. Oh man, we, we've got a Discord that knows how to live, Luke. <laughs> links to the discord are in the podcast description and you can also support this podcast monetarily over at patreon.com forward slash under console pod where you get access to ucp extra which is this show format but about other shows from the 80s and 90s as well as our monthly community show under console nation and at the five pound level you'll get next week's episode one week early and ad free and at the 10 pound level you get a little bit extra ash what do they get oh they get our under consultation patreon pack which contains a glittery 
golden joystick waggler mug, which is stuffed with stickers, badges, retro sweeties, retro trading cards, and £5 off our under-consultation t-shirt. And a shout-out to those £10 backers, Xanderthal, William, Tom, The Amazing Cliff, Simon, Sean, Dune, Pink, Lithium, Reese, Nick, Misha, Matty, Boo, Mark, Link, Kevin, Jamie, Ian, Harriet, Manga Girl, Gordon Dempster, Gordon Brands, David Palmer, David Fisher, Darkside73, Chrissy26, Beat the Games Master, Arcadia, Wild Bill, Andy Smith, Andrew and Adam D. Thank you all so much for listening and we will see you in seven days time as we really are now on the final stretch of series. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Peace 5. Take care, everyone. Good night.